Well, hello there, and welcome to Story You Talk Radio. I'm your host, Coach Debbie, and I'm delighted that you have reserved this hour to spend with me so we can talk about your books, your blogs, your brands, all the wonderful things you might be creating out there in the world. We might even talk about your love letters, your conversations, anything that has to do with being honest about your story and sharing your expressive thoughts out into the world. I am here every Thursday at 4 o'clock Pacific Time, and then our producers offer a replay of the show right here on KKNW 1150 AM in Seattle on Friday mornings, and that's at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. on the East Coast. So we catch you going to work if you can't catch our live show. But I do want to say thank you to those of you that might be listening to the live show today. Uh, I want to say thank you to Michael and to Rob. I also want to say thank you to Nancy and to Al and to Mary and to uh, Joni Beth, I think that is, Joni Beth, and also Liz and to Nora. Thanks so much for letting me know that you'd be doing what you can to check into today's live show. I do want to say I've only got one question so far, and I'd love to hear from anyone that's on Facebook Messenger or over there hanging out with my email. It is askcoachdebbie at gmail.com, askcoachdebbie, that's spelled D-E-B-B-Y, at gmail.com. Today we're going to talk about the influence of your favorite authors. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we need them around us, just that, that good energy of our favorite authors, because when we're not sure what direction to go in, emulating them is for sure a great direction to go in. Uh, up till now, I have interviewed about 300 authors. I started with Life Mastery Radio with Todd Allen. That's my sweetheart. We started in January 2012. And I want to say it was Valentine's Day. It was Valentine's Day when he brought me on officially as his co-host. So since 2012, uh, 300 authors I've talked to. And you know what? Over and over and over again, I'll talk to someone and I'll come away with just this wonderful little bit of advice and I'll write it down and I'll put it on my computer on like a sticky note or on my bulletin board And I'll just pass by it and think about how that wisdom that a particular author has acquired could someday be my wisdom. 
In other words, how might I step into experiences so that I acquire the wisdom of folks like Elizabeth Gilbert? I mean, my goodness, she she has written how many books at this point? How many essays? How many memoirs? Many. Uh, Annie Lamont has put out seven novels and has been teaching college writing as well as workshops in in California for, I think this is her third decade now. And think about, think about Eckhart Tolle in the self-development realm. His book, The Power of Now, uh, took him from basically basically hanging out with commoners and having very few articles to his name to being number one in self-development and holding on to that claim for months and months and months on end on the bestsellers list. And there are many others. So we're going to talk about what are some of their little bits of sage advice that they acquired because they've written so much, because they've been teaching for so long, because they've been in the public eye for a long time. And every now and then, one of us, sometimes me, uh, will get to interview them and get a little quote from them. And I'm going to share some of those with you. I'm also going to share some that I found in their online speeches or in their TED Talks or even some of the YouTubers like um, Evan Carmichael is a great person I'd love to give a shout out to who follows the ranks of, of writers over and over and over again and is really good at sussing out great quotes. So my hope is that this will serve you well, that you'll be able to put these quotes in your pocket, take them with you, and like I said, be able to lean into that sage and wonderful advice when you need it most. Now we are just, oh, maybe the third show into the new year, I want to say. This is uh, if you're listening to the live show, this is January 2021. Yeah, I think it is our third show. So we started off talking the very first show of the year, really getting into the notion that while resolutions can be hard to keep, if you're really looking at how you're evolving week after week, month after month, year after year, you're not really going to have to make an appointment with the resolution doctor, right? Because you're going to be happy with your evolution and you won't have as much cleanup to do, which is kind of what resolutions are all about. On the other hand, there are those times when no matter how much evolution you've committed yourself to, you just might end up having a really challenging day. I can tell you that in the very, 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 very recent past, I had a few things on my list to do. And one of the first things 
was to open up my brand new online class. I was very excited about it, and I sent the test out to my my current students who are taking a, a class from me on being a writing master. This will open up again the 1st of February if you might be interested. How to be a writing master. So I'm I'm there with my technology and my computer. I'm all, all excited for them to get that little message in their email and respond and say, I'm in. And nobody can get in. Oh, my goodness. So what does that mean? That means I have to go and work with the technology doctor. So I do that for a while, and I'm, I'm no stranger to this. I used to work in the e-learning department at, at the college for many years. In fact, I worked my way up, and I, I ran that department for a little while. So I'm, I'm no stranger to being on the helpline or to needing help myself. But, yeah, going, going with the technology doctors, eventually we needed the technology surgeons. And finally, somewhere around 9 p.m., I just had to shut that down. So I had a bunch of things on my calendar for yesterday, and I attended to one thing. And you can imagine the frustration that I was feeling from time to time because it just wasn't working. So even though I have a high commitment to evolving and learning every now and then, we still get really, really fast curveballs coming our way. At least that's how it seems. (sighs) And... We just give our day to some new learning, like I did yesterday. It was all about technology. It wasn't about writing, and I thought it would be. So today, today I had to get up, pull up those bootstraps, and, and find some inspiration. And where did I go? I went to some of my favorite authors, because I can always rely on them. I have many favorite authors at this point in my life. Many, many that I can rely on and lean into. One thing that I love that Annie Lamont says, she wrote, oh, and I always mess up the order. Is it please, thank you, amen? I'm going to mess it up. There's so many titles that I love by her. You know them, the tender mercies, oh my goodness. She said this. I have a lot of hope and a lot of faith, and I struggle to communicate that. And then she goes on to say, but I am uplifted to comfort and to inspire others. So she says this really simple thing, a lot of hope and a lot of faith, and I struggle to communicate it. I mean, if you ask me, I don't see her struggling, but... I'm reading the edited version. But she makes this claim that she she goes with the struggle because she wants to uplift others. And you know, when I when I read a quote like that, I'm brought back to the fact that life does have a lot of 
struggle, whether it be big or small. Life does have these curveballs that come when we're just thinking we're going to do this tiny little task and maybe share our brand new class with people. Or maybe we're going to send out a little invoice to someone and uh, they say, actually, I want to postpone this for a year. (laughs) Or maybe we're going to meet up with one of our wonderful clients and they say, actually, actually, I need to attend to the fact that my son is quite sick and we're we're worried about my auntie who has COVID and this and that. And all of a sudden, your job is to not only be someone who uplifts others, but who keeps the uplifting going for your own self. You know, you don't want to give it all away. You want to make sure that you're continuing to uplift yourself. Yet I understand you might be a lot like me. You might be someone who sets up these things, gets real excited, and then you find you need to go to your mentors pretty darn quick to feel that continuum of up-leveling going on. It's not uncommon for writers at all to need to tap into that well of where might I go for some sage advice? Where might I go to keep myself feeling like my words are really contributing, that they offer comfort to others? If we don't do that, we, we start to feel like we're not evolving. And then we feel guilty and ashamed and we start to look for areas where we're going to have to do some resolving. But what I want to encourage you to do right now is to know that if you've been reading for a good portion of your life like I have, there is author upon author upon author who has said things in his or her books or in speeches, or in those TED Talks, or those interviews. And if you just take a little time to go back and review, you're going to have a quote that you can add to the lining of your pocket that you might be able to put in a Post-it note, stick right on your computer as you go through your day, maybe add it to your refrigerator with one of those great magnets. But What are these quotes that help you out? I'll share with you one that we're going to talk about in just a little bit that I love from Elizabeth Gilbert because this really talks to the energy of anxiety that all of us feel when we share our words with the world. She says, this is Elizabeth Gilbert from Eat, Pray, Love. She says, the stakes are so low. Very rarely is someone going to have their life upturned because a poem you wrote didn't work. We blow things up, but the stakes really are low. Oh, man. You know, isn't that the truth that when we're writing, we think our whole life is on the line, but it's not. It's not. We're creating something. 
We're getting ready to share something. It takes guts. But wow, what a perspective that the stakes are low. Have you ever thought of it that way? Mm. What's on your mind? What could I be sharing with you today to help you feel a little more lifted up? Let me be your influencer and write in to askcoachdebbie at gmail.com. Remember, Debbie is spelled D-E-B-B-Y. Askcoachdebbie at gmail.com. And send me a question for today's show, and I will read it on the air. You're welcome to be anonymous if you would like. Just let me know. We're going to take our first break here, and we will be right back with more. Hi there, this is Eileen Grimes of the Jupiter Rising Show, and this Saturday we are welcoming back one of the nicest people around, Mr. Michael Seapress. He's amazingly talented with his music and his artwork. We will be playing some of his music, and we will be having a great chat about his process of creating his artisan work. So don't forget, the Jupiter Rising Show right here on Saturday is at 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. on KKNW Alternative Talk 1150. Hi, this is Lisa Downs, host of Reigniting You, the show that takes a positive, forward-looking approach to mid-to-late career transitions for Gen Xers and Boomers every Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock Pacific. Whether you're looking to stay in the traditional workforce, do your own thing, or retire or semi-retire, Reigniting You is your source for career transition advice, inspiration, and insight for what's next in your career and life. Join me Wednesdays at 3 o'clock to get re-energized, recharged, and reignited. Multicultural, multidimensional even. Alternative Talk 1150. And welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. If you're just tuning in, we're talking today about emulating those writers that have had influence on you over the years, or maybe just when you had their wonderful book in your hand, or maybe when you were watching them give a TED Talk speech. Writers put so much attention into their words. And what I mean by that is, as a writer, I think about the order in which I present my ideas on paper, I think about the words I chose. I think about how vulnerable I was willing to be with my story. I think about the variety of words I use. And I also think about how I edit it all. So in the end, my finished product isn't just full of lots of words, but that it's easy for someone to get to the meaning if that someone reading is ready for the meaning. I think that's a real important part of writing is that you really, really stick with the level of people that you want to attract to your writing. And in academics, sometimes we get far away from that. We, we get into enjoying the level of our own study 
and not the level of readers and the company that we want to be keeping with our our writing. However, I think a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people that went in the direction of creative writing, creative nonfiction, that eventually were in self-development or, like I said, in documentaries and TED Talks, they really want to be accessible to their audience and in no way dumbing out their content, but having those great takeaway quotes that you and I can put in our pocket and, and just allow to support us as we go through our day. So I was talking to you a little bit about uh, Annie Lamont and Elizabeth Gilbert. And this question here came in right as we were going to break. Uh, I want to I want to compliment you, Mariah, for your courage. You you are consistently writing in and asking great questions. Mariah says, I get completely scared out of my shoes when I have to stand in front of a group of people and share anything I write. I would much rather give up all of those invitations. But as my writing is getting out in the world and I'm becoming more public, I know I can't hide. How does someone go from where I'm at to the position that Liz Gilbert is at? How is it that she could say the stakes really are very low? Okay, Mariah, thanks so much for your question. Um, this quote she's referring to was one I read right below the break that um, Elizabeth Gilbert said, very rarely is someone going to have their life upturned because a poem you wrote didn't work. We blow things up. The stakes are really low. Um, in this in this talk that she gave, she went on to elaborate on the idea that she herself thinks that doing improv would be the scariest thing in the entire world. And I don't know if she has any experience with it or not. But Mariah, what I think she's talking about is that when we're, when we're planted in our own chair in the comfy place of our home or wherever it is you like to write, and we're working with our words, if we get caught up in the idea that the stakes are really high and right now, <laughs> right now I have to be thinking about that, we're never going to be prolific. And then we get another learning curve. And, and that's when we put the words out on our blog. And we know people are going to come and maybe comment. And again, we think the stakes are so high. What if someone's critical and mean? Because you know, people can be and will be. But now, Mariah, it sounds like you're being invited out into the world to stand before your reading audience and to speak and you're feeling that those stakes are high. So let me offer you this. When you're doing something new, 
the stakes are high because you are relying on your knees to uphold all your weight while you're scared. And even if you only weigh 101 pound, (laughs) I know that it's really, really scary to not have a stroke the first time you read your stuff in public. In fact, I'll just tell you, I used to be married to someone who was very, very introverted, and I would go with him anytime he would read his work in public, and he would nearly have a a stroke every single time, nearly. I mean, I, I had to talk him all the way from the car into the back door of the book the bookstore and up the stairs and etc it it was scary and those stakes are high because you're about to meet your audience you're about to see people eye to eye you're excited but here's where the stakes aren't high The stakes are not high in that you are reading to your fans. You're reading to people that follow you. You're reading to people that feel you have changed them. You're reading to people that feel blessed that you said something out loud that they're scared to feel, let alone admit they experience You took a stand as a writer, and now you're standing before them, and you're just letting them see you as a real live human being, and you're sharing those words with them again. Because I want to remind you, Mariah, the the people coming, paying the admission to see you, be with you, shake your hand, and ask for your autograph they want to be there. There might be, you know, 0.2% of people that are really, really nuts and make their way in and are going to cause a ruckus. But there's such a tiny little percentage, far more, far more are lurking around the internet trying to find ways to be critical and just leave in a completely anonymous comment. So if you've already survived that and you know you can control that at any time, I mean, if you have a bad day, all you got to do is turn the comments of your blog off, you know, shut your email down for three days, do whatever you need to do to go back into the world of introversion and claim your, your space again, do it. Do it. I give you full permission to do that. At the same time, I just want to remind you that when you are standing right there in front of your fans, those stakes are really, really low. They want to be with you. They want to see you. And they want to hear and have an experience again of your words. So I just want to encourage you, Mariah, if the local bookstore is inviting you, if you've written something for TEDx, if the community college wants you to come and give a talk, or 
for God's sakes, if Cambridge wants to showcase you, I hope you will go. I hope you will really lean into the fact that people are excited that you are there. They want to see you and hear you. And those are the times when the stakes are so low. Even if you think you're going to pass out on stage, you probably won't. And even even if you shake, you'll probably survive it. And what you'll find is even, 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 if someone at some point challenges you, you're still alive, as Liz Gilbert says so eloquently in one of her talks. I said this and people survived it. <laughs> I loved that because she's, she's reminding us that as writers, we put our words forward. We're, we're, not, we're not loading up a gun and pointing it. We're putting our words forward and we're allowing others to construct meaning. But the stakes, when someone buys that ticket and they come to see you and they want to say, thank you, this book really helped me, really changed me. I am delighted to be here with you. Those stakes are so low. And I just want to encourage you to go forth and share your words with audiences and let me know how it goes. You're, you're so good at sharing your experiences with me. I hope you'll come back and tell me what happened after that experience, Mariah. And this is for all of you, all of you listening. And you might have high stakes, it seems, Maybe not in areas where you're writing, but you have to be honest or you you have to share something that you've never shared before. Maybe you have to take a stand for your family. Maybe, maybe COVID has presented situations where you have to lean into a level of bravery that you've never really had to do before. And in that way, I think you're probably feeling that the stakes are very high. But influencers like Elizabeth Gilbert or like Annie Lamont or like Eckhart Tolle, who I'm going to share with you in just a moment, they have gone before us to remind us that not only can we stand up and be tall and be strong with our words, but there was also a time and probably they have hard days too when they weren't sure that they could do it either. So we need to let their wisdom, everything that they have acquired and they have stood up and shared, inspire and influence us because they're the ones we want to emulate. They're the ones that have been courageous while we feel ourselves very strong in our own learning curve. So think right now. Think of someone who has inspired you. What might that do for you? If you just had a quote or two from them in your pocket, going everywhere with you, how would that make you feel? Think on that while I get a sip of water. 
I was very surprised to hear that Eckhart Tolle shared that his mother, (laughs) his mother, I mean, how dare she? She told him that upon turning 50, he had basically thrown away his life. She shared with him, you have no job and no insurance policy. <laughs> um, yeah, I wouldn't like it too much if my mother shared that with me. No, I wouldn't like that at all. And I wouldn't like that at all if my father shared that with me. In fact, let's say let's say hi to my father today. He he is such a, a great fan of this show. Hello, Terry, and hello, Marty, his girlfriend, who I'm hoping is nearby. Um, these these are people in my life: my mother, my father, my parents, my guardians, my mentors, who have often said something so short, so quick, but so meaningful, it just helped me rise to whatever was left. I, I can't imagine how it would feel if one of my parents ever said, you have no job and no insurance policy. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not laughing to... Um, I'm just the whole idea of shaming someone that they don't have an insurance policy. Um, My hope is that Mr. Eckhart Tolle, who I'm sure most of you know, is very, very famous for his writing of The Power of Now that that came out when he was in his very early 50s. Um, He's made an extraordinary influence on the self-development and personal development field. But this is something I love. He said, I did not derive my identity from the fact that at 50, my mother thought I had no job, nor did I derive my identity when my book became a bestseller. So even in his greatest success, he did not claim, aha, now I can step into my identity. This is what he says. I am satisfied because the work I have done has transformed life. My takeaway is that I would never want my identity to be a cheap substitute for who I really am. Mm. I would never want my identity to be a cheap substitute for who I really am. In other words, think of some of those roles or titles that we wait to achieve. Oh, do we wait, you know, Who will I be? Who will I be when I'm actually the CEO of a company? Oh, I'll be important then. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't really work that way. What we have to do is we have to be able to lean in to the fact that 
we are just ourselves. And for so many people that I know, being yourself means writing. J.K. Rowling said, I am passionate about writing. I have a passion for it. And I had it before anyone knew me. Now, I just want to remind you, J.K. Rowling brought us Harry Potter. And she has sold to date (laughs) over, ready, 400 million copies of her work. But before she did any of that, she had a passion for writing and she identified with writing and not with what being an author would do for her. And I really, really, really think that the enlightened ones understand that that's how it works. I'm not surprised that Eckhart Tolle said it would be a cheap substitute for who I really am as he spoke about the notion of being a writer. Yeah. He actually was speaking about the notion of being a best-selling author, not being just, a, you know, someone who's passionate about writing, but that being a best-selling author would be a cheap substitute for actually just standing in your own shoes and being who you really are all about. Mm-hmm. Think on that while we take our second break. This is Story You Talk Radio, and we are going to be right back. Hi, this is Marilyn Milano. If you love animals, then please check out my new show, Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. I'll be talking with rescue groups, animal advocates, and other organizations that help animals, sharing their stories, and giving our listeners some tangible ways in which they can help make a difference. That's Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays at 9 a.m., right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Raising awareness, touching hearts, and saving animals' lives. Hi, I'm Brenda Michael. And I'm Rob Spears, and we're excited to tell you about our changes. Conscious Talk is moving to Tuesdays, Wednesday, and Friday at our usual time, 7 to 8 a.m., right here on KKNW. We'll continue to bring you the leading edge of new thought and practical knowledge from natural health to spiritual growth. Don't forget, Conscious Talk is moving to Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 7 a.m. right here on KKNW 1150 a.m. Five things you need to know about measles in 30 seconds. The vaccine was developed in 1963, and measles became rare in the U.S. But low vaccination rates are now causing outbreaks that may put you at risk. Measles is highly contagious and spreads easily when an infected person breathes or coughs. Measles can have serious complications and can be deadly. It's also easy to prevent with a vaccine that's safe and effective. Please make sure you and your loved ones are vaccinated. Learn more at NFID.org slash measles. Conversation you won't find on the rest of the dial. Alternative Talk 1150. And welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. We're talking about your favorite authors and how they can leave such an impression on you when you're reading those books, when you're reading their essays. Why not take a 
a little clip with you everywhere you go. Why not extract a quote that had meaning for you and will continue to have meaning for you and might even give you an image to emulate as you go forward into your weeks and your months into the year. I want to share with you that a lot of people fear the notion of failure and that it is 100% normal. It's 100% normal to have this fear that what I write could fail. And it's 100% normal to feel like the stakes are so high. But remember that we are the ones often who are placing that that um, stigma of failure onto our writing. We're the ones making the judgment. So it can kind of go like this. Let's say you write an essay and you really, really want to see it in this particular magazine. And so you submit it to that particular magazine and they inform you that no, not at this time will they be accepting that essay. Now, what what do you do? Let me give you multiple choice. Do you, A, decide you're a complete failure and you'll never send in an article to them again? Do you, B, decide that they are pathetically stupid to not see the incredible talent that you have imparted? Or do you see, decide that it's not worth your time to judge them or to judge yourself and you're going to go on to the next thing that's in front of you? Well, let me tell you this. Most of us don't choose C right away. <laughs> we, that's not necessarily our default setting to go, huh, well, all right. All right, I gave it a shot, but there's all sorts of other things I could be doing today and tomorrow, and I'm going to give a shot in those directions. Usually, usually we go with A, and we find terrible failure in it. We might even slip into B there where we get a little angry, a little hot-headed that, um, you know, they don't want to see our talents, so be it. But... You know what I think? I, th I think we're just sort of using them at times to have a canvas where we can project our fear that we're failing. And we do the same thing when we're succeeding. We're, we do. We're just like, oh, I'm so glad they took my article. Um, and, and we'll... We'll, we can sometimes get into that space. Have you ever been there? I am so glad I chose this publication, these people, these safe and wonderful people to see my potential and to, oh, I, and underneath it, our, our soul is saying, hey, I'm just glad you wrote those words. <laughs> but we're, we're putting such judgment on the success. It's a very, very natural thing to do, to judge that we have succeeded 
or to judge that we think we have failed. And I really, really want to be that person who evolves and notices when I'm when I'm judging, when I'm saying, hmm, I think I really goofed this up. I think this was a failure. And to just let those feelings ride out for a bit so I can get back to what I know is true, which is that I shared my words and they weren't accepted where I shared them. It's really nothing more than that. But then there's also that other side that gets inflated, which is when any old magazine <laughs> anywhere says yes, uh, I can I can carry on the celebration for an entire year. And people are kind of sick of it. <laughs> but that's that's those extreme places. What I find and what, what's been a great influence for me, especially following people that have written several pieces, longer pieces of work, is that they, they start to get away from judging the success and judging the failure, and they start to identify more and more and more that what they really love doing is writing and sharing, and lifting up, and offering out what they can with their words. That's what they love. And when they get rejected, well, they stop seeing it as a rejected rejection, and, and they start looking at it as it just wasn't a match. Someone who talks really eloquently about this I mean, follow him through his TED Talks, if you can, and his essays. He is the author of the book, The Alchemist. And I've read The Alchemist, you know, beginning to end a couple of times now. It's such a beautiful, I want to almost say it's an extended fable. It's oh, it's a lovely story. Um, and the author's name is Paulo Coelho. I, I hope I'm really getting the enunciation right there. Paulo Coelho. This book was translated into 80 languages, if that lets you know how popular the book is. Yet, Paulo, he speaks on this notion of success. And he says, quote, After three books, you will naturally fear that you have become a success. But my strategy is to fulfill that I am a writer and I live that out as best I can. Now, I really love that. He's relating to his audience and basically saying, if, if you've managed to get three books out into the world, you're probably going to transition out of that fear of failure and more into what does all this success mean? And what am I going to do with it? How am I going to shoulder it? But he offers this very humble approach. And that is he, he says his strategy Keep in mind, a lot of us, our strategies is how we market things. He says, my strategy is to fulfill that I am a writer 
and to live that out as best I can. So his identity there is that writing fulfills him. Writing allows him to come back and be himself. I mean, if if there's someone that has had great influence over me and over my writing career, it has been this man. Because he he has this humble way of noticing that no matter how many books he puts out, no matter how many how many stages he goes to, he's still fulfilling the same thing everywhere he goes. And that is that he's a writer. The same thing is true when your book has been converted into four languages, not 80. The same thing is true when you have written your first essay, not your 400th. The same thing is true, Mariah, if you are still listening, when you are going to talk to your first crowd of followers as opposed to your 50th crowd. I want you to really put your arms around what these authors are sharing with you J.K. Rowling says that writing is the passion of her life. She's not saying that publishing is. She's not saying that getting up early in the morning and doing a book tour is. She's saying the passion is in the writing. And you know if you are a writer or not a writer and you have a passion for something, the love is in the doing. The love is in the being. It's not necessarily acquiring five more followers. It's not necessarily in getting published by that big, big, big publisher that everybody wants. It's in your love of doing it. And when you don't love it, you better take a break. You better get up out of that chair and go for a big, long walk. You better find a way to get away so that when you're ready, you can turn around and find your way back. This is what I want for all writers. It's what I have found I had to do for myself when I have been really down about my own writing, when I've when I've felt like I, I was even in an extremely... extremely expensive program once when I hit a real bottom with my writing and I wasn't sharing anything. I didn't even feel like I was showing up well. You know what I did? I put my pen down. I even skipped one class and I just took myself far away from it and far into other things I knew I was really passionate about. For example, I took myself into cooking. I took myself into my friendships. I looked up some people that I hadn't talked to for a while. I took myself into those circles where I feel alive 
And I didn't worry about the fact that I wasn't writing because I knew by reconnecting with passion and creativity, I would find my way back to writing. And I did. It's amazing how when we get that long, far look away, that we can turn around and see it again. And we see it, as Elizabeth Gilbert says, without the stakes being so darn high. We see that that thing we wrote that didn't get in that magazine and that appeal we had didn't go any further than our desk. Whatever it was, we see again that there is a time to begin again, pick up our pen, go from where we left off, maybe to pull a quote, just pull a quote from an author or two that matter and walk around with it in our pocket. Have a little joy with scenery again. Saute some vegetables for crying out loud. Put something tasty in your mouth and see how your inspiration comes back to you. How do you find your way back to really being passionate about what you do? You write. You write. And all that fear of failure and all that fear of success, it's just in the background. And it can stay in the background when you stay passionate with your writing. If you need an author's quote, go grab an author's quote. But please, my friends, don't give up on yourself. Come back to that humility and keep on writing. I want to thank you for joining me here today. It is my pleasure to be with you every week with KKNW Story U Talk Radio, 4 o'clock on Thursdays Pacific Time, 6 o'clock on Fridays for the AM Drive into Work. I hope you subscribe to the podcast. And until next week, namaste, my friends. <laughs>